I just didn't see how God could possibly use me. And now looking back on the last 10 years, it amazes me how God has used my wife and I. And so uh, he wants to use us all if we just make ourselves available to him, probably in ways you've never imagined, because that's the way it's been with me. The different things that we're doing now, I could have never guessed. Only God could have figured it out. Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. From time to time, we get a chance to get guests that will return to the studio. Sometimes they go a long way away, like our guest Bob Reese, and Bob is here today. I think, Bob, you used to work for FedEx, I believe, at one time. You also have the military in your background as a former Marine. That's true. But you came to me, I don't even know how many years ago it was now. It's been several years ago, soon after you retired. You sensed God leading you to go to Africa, and Uganda specifically, over the years and over how many trips now have you made to Uganda? You know, I've lost track. It's in the neighborhood of 25. Oh, my goodness. Were you going there before you retired from FedEx? No, but I've been retired uh, now for about 10 years. Okay. So. We've talked about this in the past. Retired life for many people think about downsizing, maybe getting an RV and traveling the country or taking more trips for vacation, more time on the golf field, more fishing, you know, just tinkering, more naps. <laughs> Not Bob Reese. Bob has gone to Africa and is serving others by sharing the message of Christ. And that's something that's been on your heart, particular area in Uganda that you've been going to. Jinja, Uganda, but we use Uganda kind of as a jumping-off point. It's very stable. We just uh, start out there, and wherever God leads us, we go to. Within the borders of Uganda or other places in Africa? Uh, well, we've been all over Uganda, but other places. Uh, you know, we start off in Sudan, and then it got basically too dangerous to be there. But... A friend of mine pointed this out to me on this last trip. We couldn't go to Sudan. It was too dangerous. But because of the fighting and everything that the people of Sudan are now fleeing to Uganda, they're refugees, and so they're actually coming to us. So um, it's not as dangerous anymore. At one time, Uganda wasn't a safe place to be when Idi Amin and his military was in control of the government there. Uh, do you see much of the remains of that regime? Um, people remember it. Every so often when we're someplace, uh, Idi Amin will come up and how he persecuted the church, Christians. But as far as any ill will or anything in the people... Uganda is just a wonderful place. The people are so sweet, and they're loving, and they're, to be honest with you, the Christians there are, are better Christians than most of the Christians in the United States. Well, I was wondering what the condition of the church was in Uganda. Oh, they're real Christians. I mean, for instance, it's just part of their weekly plan they have what they call an overnight, and usually it's on Friday. From sundown to sunup, they will fast, pray, sing hymns, uh, and worship the Lord. That's a very common thing almost every Friday night. What an incredible 
indictment, too, for many of us. And it's interesting to see, the again, the dedication of the people in light of poverty and very meager means that they still have. Of course, we know that our faith is obviously not based upon our possessions or what we have. Sometimes those things get in the way in our life, especially in the U.S. culture. Well, Bob... uh, why Uganda originally? I mean, I'm sure you told this story before. Did you have a friend there that was already doing work there? I would say that that God led us there because we had been working in Sudan. God closed the door in Sudan, uh, and he did it in such a way. I already had my airplane tickets to get me as far as Uganda, and then I had to buy other airplane tickets to go the last 150 miles to South Sudan, and uh, they were going to have their elections become a, a separate country. The person I had been working with, the pastor in Sudan, said, no, election time is a very bad time to be here. It's very dangerous. I already had tickets as far as Uganda, and he didn't want me to come to Sudan. So... We went to Uganda and started doing uh, ministry, and God put together a team that here 10 years later we're still working with. That's how we ended up there. Now, on a previous program, you and I talked about a project, something that God had put on your heart, called God's Garden of Eternal Prayer. This has come to a fruition. I mean, this is a reality now. I have a brochure in my hand of some pictures. Talk about this ministry and your vision for having this particular prayer garden? Well, um, one of the things I teach is seek God, listen to him, be obedient. And I think that if we did that, that would solve all of our problems, but somewhere along the line that breaks down. But uh, God told me after years of saying, I'll never buy land, I just want to go there and preach the gospel, I woke up one morning and and had this unbelievable urge to buy some land. Well, I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. It made no sense to me at that time. We ended up buying it, and I still didn't know what I was going to do with it. Finally, it came to me that we should make it a prayer garden. The people of Africa, once again... The very first thing the Christians in Africa do when they have a problem is they turn to God and they pray, and they expect an answer. It's just amazing the faith that they have. So uh, a prayer garden seemed like a good idea, but once again, I think that was, was all God guiding me. Since we've been doing this now for over five years, uh, we have people that have come there and prayed, probably thousands of them in the five years, but it's amazing how many people come back and talk about the miracles that they prayed. Uh, One that that comes to my mind is a woman that was uh, sterile, couldn't have children, came and prayed for six months or a year, I don't even remember how long all of a sudden she got pregnant, you know, and uh, we have all kinds of instances like that. Basically, there are prayer shelters. There is also agriculture there, some crops. What type of crops do you see there 
in the garden? Well, in the back of my mind was uh, similar to the Garden of Eden, so I, I wanted as much diversity as possible. Our main crop is maize or corn, which is what we would call it here, but they call it maize. Something that is common to Africa is uh, cassaba, which is a root kind of vegetable that we dry out and we grind and we make flour out of it. But we have mangoes, we have pineapples, we have all kinds of fruits. We have coffee we're growing there. We have papaya. We grow just a little bit of everything. Well, now, Bob, now I can see something here that I think some of our listeners might enjoy, maybe some of that coffee. Can you market it and bring it back to the States? You know, I'm working on that, not so much to make money, but most of our supporters drink coffee, and I think it would be really neat to be able to give them a pound of coffee that was grown in God's garden. So in the next year or two, we might be able to do something like that. Right. So other parts or aspects of the garden include a children's ministry, there's an outside ministry, and other projects ongoing there. Let me talk about the children's ministry. Uh We do that on Saturday between two and a half and three hours. We do a Bible story uh, uh, and some singing, praising God. There's a village right next to God's garden, probably got 200 uh, young children in it. Uh, And we usually get over 100 on Saturday come by for that three hours. So we're introducing them to Jesus and They memorize scripture, and then we generally finish it off uh, with giving them a a small bag of popcorn. It's it's amazing. Africans love popcorn, uh, just like Americans. There's so much between them and us that are so similar. That's amazing to me. What about this sawing department, Bob? I did something that's on your brochure called the sawing department. Well, you know, that's a difference between uh, the language uh, in Uganda. And we both speak English, but there's misinterpretations and everything. And on this brochure, I don't know whether it was a mistake or, or whether they thought sewing was spelled that way. But we have a, a ministry where we teach women, anybody that wants to come to it can come to it, but mostly women, how to sew. Sewing machines or by hand? or Well, actually, we have three machines, but anybody that, that's involved with sewing, maybe their grandmother had one of these foot pedal machines. That's what we've got. Uh, and they say, oh, you know, sometimes when people see that, they say, oh, boy, uh, there aren't many of these around anymore. Uh, and in Africa, they're they're making them today. You know, they're, it's something that they produce and they sell. A, a, a foot-powered sewing machine costs about $100. They're all over Uganda so really, that would possibly would be a good way that somebody could donate to your ministry. They could provide the funds to purchase one of these sewing machines. You know, I've been thinking about that for uh, a time. There are a lot of different needs that we have, but that would be great. 
we started with about uh, 20 students, and for one reason or another, over a year's period of time, some of them stopped coming, but uh, we had five graduate recently, and it would have been really nice when they graduated to be able to give them a sewing machine. I would love to have done that, and that's one of the things I tucked away in the back of my mind for uh, maybe in the future. What really amazed me is during this graduation, one lady who hadn't graduated from from school commented how she really felt like a, a human being with some worth having completed this school and learned how to sew. And with tears in her eyes, she thanked us for the opportunity. Now, if that just sounds like a purely secular thing, I want you to know we start off every class with a, uh, a Bible study. We started with 23 students, I think, uh, and three of them actually received Christ Two of them had dropped out of the school, and one was there on graduation day. So we want to make sure that they get a worthwhile training, learning how to sew, how to mend their family's clothes and things. But we want them to learn about Jesus, too, and that's an eternal gift. And, you know, one of the greatest lessons we learn from the life of Jesus is how he valued people where they were. That is something that as you teach people these skills of sewing and giving them, helping them to have value in themselves and see that through that sees that God has a care for them and he wants a relationship with, you know. So this is really a wonderful tool, Bob, this whole aspect. Again, this is all part of God's Garden of Eternal Prayer. So the geographical space we're talking about, how much land are we talking about total? We've got about three acres, and people own the land around us, but little by little we're buying small uh, patches to go along with that. While I was there in Uganda this time, we bought 100 by 100 foot section on one side of us. And we're going to build a, a, a hut there. I also see where you have fish farming. You've dug for a fish pond. Is it stocked yet? Or? No, it's not stocked. It's all ready to go. It's just, uh, once again, we're holding on the the money. I hate to talk about money, but it's not the most important thing in ministry, but it allows ministry to to operate. And what type of fish will you put in this pond? We're going to have some uh, catfish and tilapia. Tilapia is a very hardy fish, so it, it's well suited for, for the area. And then, of course, catfish will help clean up the pond since it's an enclosed area and everything. Will you have to worry about alligators infiltrating that <laughs> pond? <laughs> I think our biggest problem with something eating my fish uh, is the birds. We'll put a uh, like a, a big fishing net over the whole pond to keep the birds from diving in and feeding on what they call fingerling, the little, little fish. I can imagine they could really wipe you out quickly. Yeah, and there's plenty of birds in Africa. Is this prayer garden, is this the kind of the main focus of the work that you're doing in Uganda, 
or is there other aspects that you're involved with too? The main focus is twofold, preaching the gospel to whoever we can speak to, and then on a a wider scale, we want to provide uh, training and materials to the pastors. Uh, So on this last trip, we probably saw between six and 10,000 people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, But we also spent time with over 2,000 pastors providing uh, training. The theology in Africa is very, uh, I've heard it described as uh, a river that's uh, a mile wide and an inch deep. That's the theology. And so we're trying to get a little bit more depth to it and provide uh, tools, uh, whether it's um, educational pamphlets or whether it's just Bibles. It's amazing, and and, uh, I think about this particular story I'm going to share real quick all the time. I had a young man come to me who was a pastor. He looked like he was 10 years old. I swear that's how old I feel sometimes. Anyway, he came to me and he said, uh, I need a Bible. And I said, well, I've got a Bible, but I was really busy at the time. I said, come to me tomorrow and and I'll give you a Bible. And so the next day I was busy. And uh, when he came to me, I I didn't have time for him. Uh, I said, now, tomorrow, come to me as soon as I get out of the car that I'll pull up in and I'll take care of you before anything else comes up. And so the next day, I I wasn't even out of the car. He was standing there. I went in. I got him a Bible. Now, this was an English Bible, King James Version. It was paperback. It's like something you would go down to a dollar store and get pay for a dollar for it, you know. Uh, Now, a Bible is a Bible, and that's the way they think in Africa now. Sometimes we get carried away with, well, I want my name embroidered in gold and all that, but that's not what Africans think about. This young man, I gave it to him, and he said, is this really for me? And I said, yeah, this is for you. And he said, and I can keep it for forever. He said, yes. With tears in his eyes, he accepted this very inexpensive Bible that, like I say, was a paperback and everything. That's how much value they put on the Word of God, whereas I can see in the United States somebody might say, well, don't you have a better Bible than this? But they felt that that was the Word of God, and it was a great treasure, and he was very thankful for it. That's the way they are. Bob, what are some of the other challenges that pastors have as they try to fulfill their ministry there in Uganda? Well, pastors in Uganda, or I'll just speak about Uganda. That's what I know the most about. Frequently, we'll have three or four churches uh, that might be spread out over 100 miles. And so uh, I know one pastor who on Sunday rides his bicycle 50 or 60 miles to go to the different churches. 
Uganda is a place that where you can get malaria. There's a, a fair amount of mosquitoes. But when my wife and I go, we take anti-malaria drugs. But if you live there, you can't take those all the time. And uh, in the six months we were there, I bet we knew 100 people that got malaria. Some of them got it three or four times. So that's a big challenge for them. And I guess their families, trying to sustain their families. Are these pastors bivocational for the most part? They have other types of work they do to try to provide for their families? Yes, that's true. What type of work do they typically do? Well, one of the things is everybody plants food, you know, uh, whether it's maize or whether it's uh, soybeans or whatever. And they plant it. If they own land, they plant it on their land. There are a lot of places that are like land that's between the end of a field where something's being grown and the road. And so it might be two feet of just open land. It's acceptable for anybody to go in there and plant something on it and then uh, harvest it when it's time and everything. So in Uganda, uh, there is some hunger but uh, it's got a good uh, growing season. It's got good weather. Most people grow grow food. Are there other challenges to the Christian faith in the areas that you work from other religions or other faiths that are trying to reach the people? Well, there's all kinds of faiths, but unlike a lot of places you hear in uh, – various places around the world where there's a lot of fighting. Uganda is pretty peaceful for the most part. Muslims and Christians uh, get along pretty well together. So that's that's not a major problem. Now, you and your wife, I understand, are kind of on a rotating plan that you shared with me that you hope to be able to spend six months in Uganda and then six months back here in the States and you just recently returned from a six-month stay there in Uganda. So you're back now. So your plans are to share the work and hopefully to build up probably more support and in ways that you can help the people in order to go back six months from now, I guess. Yes, and that works real good for uh, the six months in Uganda. By staying there for six months, uh, you only have the one airfare going over and coming back. There's just a lot of money-saving things that are involved with being there for six months. Now, the problem is when we come home for six months, six months is really not a lot of time to get ready to go back uh, to talk to people about going with us to raise money. So that's a little bit more of a challenge uh, than I had uh, thought it would be. And we'll have to wait, since this is the first time we're doing it, we'll have to see how this next six months works out. Is there a website or information that people can be directed to 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 discover more about the ministry that you're involved with? Well, we do have a website, jesuswebinternationalonline.com, but we're also on Facebook, either Jesus Wept International. Robert, middle initial M, Reese, R-I-E-S, is another Facebook page, or God's Garden. Those three Facebook pages are available. 
And if somebody wanted to be part of a, a prayer group or support you in prayer, do you put out prayer needs and concerns that people can lift up and also ways that people can financially contribute to your ministry? Uh, yes, we do. Um, there is a, a link on the Facebook page where you can contribute. Uh, my phone number is available both on Facebook and uh, I could give it to Sure. Okay. Uh, 901-508-2000. That's Robert Reese. And uh, I'd be happy to talk to you, tell you about it, give you the information. If you wanted to go to uh, Africa uh, in the future, uh, tell you what's involved. Possibly small group classes, uh, men's prayer groups, and things you could come and share with churches. Yes. And, and you know, be available to come and speak. Mm-hmm. As always, Bob, it's great catching up with you and hearing what God is up to through the ministry in Uganda. You'll call me and say, hey, I'm heading back or I've just returned, and we'll make plans to have you come in. So it's been kind of neat for our listeners to follow you over the last few years in the different aspects of your ministry and to see how God has blessed it. We're winding up. Let me say one last thing. I would have guessed, or I I felt when this whole thing started, that this couldn't be God speaking to me because God couldn't possibly use me. I've been reading the Bible all my life, but I wouldn't call myself a Bible scholar. I just didn't see how God could possibly use me. And now looking back on the last 10 years, it amazes me how God has used my wife and I. And so uh, he wants to use us all if we just make ourselves available to him, probably in ways you'd never imagined, because that's the way it's been with me. The different things that we're doing now, I could have never guessed. Only God could have figured it out. (laughs) Oh, my. What a great way to wrap up our show today, Bob. Thank you so much for what you do for Christ's kingdom and continue to do through the work there in Uganda, through God's garden, and the lives that are being changed and are being encouraged through the ministry. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 